Namaskar and welcome to NFL Masala. I'm your co-host Anant. And I'm your other co-host Rakshak. Welcome to episode number 47 of NFL Masala, where we talk about all the latest happenings in the NFL with a little bit of spice. So today we are going to be breaking down some Dhamakadar news and then talking about the NFC East, sorry, NFC East division. There you go. And with this, we have a very special guest that we're going that um that we plan on introduce. And with this, ladies and gentlemen, he is a fellow Tamilian like myself. He is a resident of the Bay Area of San in of Cali. He is the one of the best experts on the Philadelphia Eagles and a contributing member of Fourth and John. Please welcome Pete Nathan of the Pete Nathan Show on YouTube. What's up, everybody? Thanks for having me, guys. Um, looking forward to talking Eagles with you guys, for sure. Definitely. I think this is like the first time, this is the second time we've had you on the podcast, especially with the yeah. NFL draft reaction. The first round, that was really wild. Oh, yeah, that was that was wild, man. That was, that was an awesome time uh, going through the draft uh, with you guys for the first round. That was cool. All righty. So with this, Anant, lead the way with the news. All righty. So once again, welcome, welcome, Pete Nathan. Uh, so excited to have you back here. And now, before we get started with what you are most famous for, let's get the ball rolling with some Dhamakadar news. First off, the Jets' star defensive tackle, Quinnen Williams, widely regarded as the top three, maybe even, you know, like top five defensive tackle after Aaron Donald um, and, you know, others. He has signed a $96 million deal, which includes $66 million guaranteed for over four years. And so this is probably one of the largest contracts given to a defensive tackle and it's it's very not surprising honestly Quinnen Williams had you know for the last three seasons the most sacks as an interior defensive tackle at 25 sacks over three seasons so he's got really good pressure rates plus he's only 25 he had one year remaining in his rookie contract so now he signed through the 2027 season and third Aaron Rodgers is here. So you gotta beef up beef up the defense if if you already have it, you know, and, and maintain as many good players as you can to keep that Super Bowl window open for as long as you can. And obviously he's he's a player that deserves it. So I'm gonna say yep. quote unquote Super Bowl window. I I think um the Jets are a very special team to watch out for. And plus, they are now on and I do have breaking news or breaking the market our news regarding the Jets, they're going to be featured on Hard Knocks this year. Yes. Oh, are they? Yeah, they are. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't know that. More drama. More <laughs> drama. <laughs> More Aaron Rodgers talking about his some um, alternative medicine use and all that fun stuff. But that will be for another time. Exactly. And with this... Usage. All right. With the next set of news... Um, this is a, this was um, reported on July twelfth. Um, ESPN rec 
um, mentioned that two-time Super Bowl winning coaches Tom Coughlin and Mike Shanahan, as well as team owners Robert Kraft and Virginia McCaskey, were among the 60 semifinalists announced Wednesday for the 2024 class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, so, so with that, like you're starting off with 60 semifinalists, um, like which which was uh, on Wednesday, and then with this the your for the hall of fame usually you'll have 12 they'll have like a 12 person senior committee and what they'll do is they'll trim a list of eligible player nominees to 31 and each semifinalist has played this his last game in professional football no later than 1998 so and separately the halls the hall 12 person coach contributor committee reduced the list of nominated candidates to 29. So a little bit of background on why um, we see Tom Coughlin and Mike Shanahan. I mean, Robert Kraft, yeah, he's the he's the, um, the owner of the Patriots. Cool story, bro. That's all. And that and and he won rings because of Brady. I'm just going to leave it out like that. And with this um, Tom Coughlin, he was um, he, Tom Coughlin coached the New York Giants from 24 from 2004 to 2015, led them to two Super Bowl victories over the Patriots. Um, one notably the 2007 when the Patriots tried to go tried to beat the next Miami Dolphins, going undefeated, but they lost in the big time, aka the David Tyree helmet catch. And Shanahan led the Denver Broncos to Super Bowl titles after the 1997 and 1998 season. He went 178 wins, 144 wins overall with three teams, including a 46 and 10 mark from 66 from 96 to 98, an NFL record for wins in a three-year span. And Virginia McCaskey, who turned 100 on January 5th, became the principal owner of the Chicago Bears in 1983 upon the death of her father, the Hall of Famer George Hallis. So. A little bit of news on that. And um, and with that, what do you got next, Ananth? All righty. So wonderful selection for the next year's Pro Football Hall of Fame class. We are now going to move on to our next bit of news. A little bit of sad news, unfortunately, but kind of realistic. Um, running backs. So there are a couple of star running backs who would have not been free agents maybe even two years ago who are now free agents. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard was a free agent. He has now signed his um, franchise tag tender. So that means it's a one-year uh, option that front offices have. To um, to basically force the player to stay with the team for one more year, but fully guaranteed money. So it's not like a completely one-sided deal. And most times, these um, free agents can sign these franchise tag tenders, or they can test free agency. Now, Tony Pollard has decided to sign the tag, and then you know, be with the Cowboys for this next year and then see what his fate is after the next year. But Josh Jacobs, the leading rusher from last year and Saquon Barkley, one of the, you know, strongest running backs that you could find 
if, when healthy like the past exactly exactly when healthy in the past five years had a breakout year last year um and i as i'll dive in with the giants um he was one of the main reasons why the giants offense was even successful uh he they are now unsigned they are uh, still in the wild along with dalvin cook so you see a lot of these teams not picking up 26 27 28 year old running backs or either picking them up for on the cheap because a certain Texas-based NFL organization decided that a running back was worth $100 million. So, yeah. Speaking of which, that running back who was officially worth $100 million before is also now a free agent. So that's, that's a funny thing now. But anyways, no deals for these three. Uh, running backs along with Dalvin Cook and Zeke. And it's kind of sad to see such a short shelf life for these running backs because yep. this, along with, you know, being a long snapper or one of the least, uh, not productive, but least valued positions in the NFL by, by front offices and by GMs. Because for running backs, you are constantly pounded whether you're running the ball or you're pass blocking or you're receiving the ball, right? So you're not like a wide receiver who can step out of certain plays, especially run plays because, you know, they're just going to walk and maybe block and push a cornerback around. No, you're going to get bulldozed by 350 pound defensive linemen, athletic freaks at middle linebacker edge rushers are looking to tear your QB's head off. So, if you're constantly pounded, you know, three, four, five hundred times a year in the NFL, your shelf life is only going to be about five, maybe seven years. Maybe the few studs who actually stay past their, you know, expected shelf life become monsters in the game. But even they don't really command the new wide receiver money that wide receivers get. Now, wide receivers, you can see. You know, 20th, 25th, maybe 30th ranked wide receivers get $12, 15000000 million a year. Whereas okay. running backs, definitely, like, as, as a star running back, you have to pray that you get maybe $10 million a year. Someone like Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams last year broke Barry Sanders' record for the Lions for most touchdowns in a season. He earns $4 million a year. Wow. $4 million a year. His contract is three years for 12 million bucks. I don't know how to respond to that. I mean, give me that contract. I, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously we would dream of such a contract. We would dream of this. But, but then if again, you're an NFL player where you're yeah, spent basically you your entire more. life, right, mm -hmm. as a running back with the amount of value and production that you provide for NFL organizations, you have to, I feel like you have to deserve more. And props to Tom Grassi and Brandon Perna on today's GPS show that they typically have every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. They were talking about the specific issue and they said, you know, it's it's very easy to swap out the production for a running back unless you're supremely talented, where you have both running back and wide receiving skills. And moreover, 
the newest CBA really messed up the situation for the running backs. And for oh, those yeah. of you who don't know, the CBA is the agreement between the NFL Players uh, Union. So, you know, the association that actually makes, you know, the contracts and, and the guidelines for how rookies con uh, contracts are structured, veterans are structured, all of that stuff. They make those rules with of course, working with the NFL owners. So, and, and um, quick note on that: apparently, one of the key members of that NFLPA union that you mentioned is a legend in the Eagles by the name of Troy Vincent. Just FYI. Yeah, yeah. So you can see sometimes, you know, as Rakshak said, ex-players typically make up the NFL Players Association because you know they stand up from the players' perspective. But in this case, for running backs, they really got shafted because this latest CBA doesn't really protect running backs a lot, along with rookies. Like rookies, you're even worse off. So, um, but yeah, that, that was one of the things that they mentioned. So go check out that episode for today, um, Monday, the 17th of July. So, yeah. That's that's it for me. That's just a wow. little bit of a Kachada news, unfortunately. It's a shame. It's a shame, indeed. It's like, a shame how they don't get paid, man. Like, you know, they do a lot of grunt work, especially in the playoffs. Um, I feel like running backs, like, they have to do something like, a, you know, how the tight ends have a tight end university. They should do, like, a running back U or, like, a running RBU. back union, maybe. RBU! You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, that exactly. would, like, and then, like, hold against the NFL and say, look, we are worth more. And and we know we worth more, and you have to pay us. Like they have to come to some type of agreement with the NFL. If not, you know, the shelf life for running back is like three years at the most. Yeah, right. For most it's, of them, yeah, Definitely. unless you're exceptional. It's a very it's very unfortunate, and I do pray that there are some changes that addresses the health and and the issues that face these that face like that the running backs are facing. So hopefully next year we get some kind of. We, we there is some deal and that is actually beneficial and helpful. So yeah, that's I think I yeah, that's I mean that's what we all want. Um, but I think the existing CBA lasts until twenty twenty six. If I'm not wrong, I we may have to fact check it, but it'll be quite some time before running backs even have a say in. You know, repeating the structure or changing the structure uh, of their contracts. So we'll see. Hopefully, you know, something soon can happen. But with the way that the trends are happening, you see, right? Like Miles Sanders was given how uh, you know productive he was for the Eagles this past year, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, he was given away to the Panthers for what, like a third round pick? No, for it, it, it wasn't. No, we actually no, he walked. Him. He walked yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. And then you guys picked up DeAndre Swift for uh for a, in a trade with the Lions yeah. because the Lions out of the with the brilliance of mind decided to go Jameer Gibbs <laughs> in the second in the first round with the 12th pick. Exactly. Not many not many teams will go out and draft running backs in the first round. Bijan There's Robinson. only a, a couple of Okay, Bijan Robinson is going to be in the next Derrick Henry mixed with um, Austin Eckler. I don't so know. That's okay. why. 
That's right. why. If, if you were to have Derrick Henry at running back and Austin Eckler as a pass catching running back, you would have B. John Robinson. So it would make sense why they would go for him. But they also had Tyler Algier and Corderell uh, Patterson. So, right. I mean, anyways. All righty. So, uh, now the last bit of news. Yeah. Okay, I I believe this is another serious, but also I would consider it to be a Kachara moment. So um, July 13th, um, from this ESPN report that Victoria Bowles, uh, who survived that fatal car wreck that killed a University of Georgia football player and recruiting, and recruiting staff member on January 15th, has filed a lawsuit against the University of Georgia Athletic Association and Philadelphia Eagles rookie Jalen Carter whom police accuse of racing the SUV being driven by a recruiting staffer when it wrecked. Um, more details, the lawsuit filed on a state court in Gwinnett County um, by Bowles, who was a former recruiting analyst for the university. She accused the Athletic Association of negligence and contradicts public statements by Bulldogs football coach Kirby Smart and other officials who have claimed that recruiting staffer Chandler Leroy LaCroix shouldn't have been driving the least SUV when it left the road and struck trees and utility poles. And um, this was during the eve of the championship celebration. And again, this is a very unfortunate event. I don't want to go through all the details because it's just um, horrifying. Um, and we know that, and I think like we understood with some of the diesels, like with Jalen Carter it, and it also the lawsuit um, accuses Carter of illegally leaving the scene without speaking into law enforcement and failing to render aid. So um, I and I know and we know that Carter pleaded guilty. I mean, he pleaded no contest on March 16 to misdemeanor charges, reckless driving. He was sentenced to 12 months of probation, thousand dollar fine, and 80 hours of community service. And he will attend a state-approved defensive driving course. And we all know that he was selected in the ninth pick overall by the Eagles. And um, I don't want to go through all the details. Again, I don't want to go through all the, the the gory details. It's it, it's it's very tough to um, read through. And um, yeah, I'm just gonna leave it as it is. <sighs> Alrighty. Yeah. yeah. I mean, another you know. Not so good moment for the NFL. Let's uh, let's try and move on to something more enjoyable. Speaking of which, away got, for us exactly. Yes, definitely. And now, um, and I and I think um, we also have to talk about the breaking the Mockingbird news that happened on Sunday. You know what I'm referring to? The Tennessee Titans got a new wide receiver, and his name is DeAndre Hopkins. I believe it was a two-year, twenty-six million dollar deal. Mm-hmm. Worth up to thirty-two million dollars with incentives. If you guys don't follow us on Instagram, please do at NFL Masala two zero two two. That's NFL M A S A L A two zero two two, and you will see that we did a brief uh, overview of the contract, new contract situation with the Tennessee Titans. And to just go off of what we said there, you know, it's it's a new contract for DeAndre Hopkins, who's like 32 years old. And he's obviously going to be the number one wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans. 
But as I mentioned in the video, who's actually going to throw the football to him? Is it Ryan Tannehill? Is it Malik Willis? Or is it Will the Mailman Levis? As quoted by Tom Grassi. So, yeah, that's the question. It's going to be a very interesting offseason. I think I'm going to keep my eyes on that team for quite a while, especially when we're doing the AFC South breakdown. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. Is All that right. actually going to propel, you know? Yeah, but anyways. All right. Yeah. Let's move on. After that last bit of breaking news, we are now going to move on to the division breakdown of the NFC Beast Division. Beast! Let's go. Starting with the world-famous, the only football team known outside of America because Jerry Jones wanted that to happen, the stupid Dallas Cowboys. Boo! <laughs> this is everyone in America chanting, Boo! <laughs> Except the state of Texas. Right. <laughs> yeah. Except for Houston. Yeah, except for Houston. So, <laughs> but yeah. All righty. So, speaking of the Cowboys, a brief recap of what they've done in terms of acquiring and firing people over this offseason. You've had a couple of free agent pickups. They got Ronald Jones II on a one year deal instead of, Zeke's, uh, instead of Zeke Elliott. So, there you go. A like for elite, like swap. Elite I, move, I would Jerry say. Jones. Elite yeah. A plus draft. A plus move, Jerry Jones. Keep up the good work. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then just a couple of backup offensive and defensive linemen. Nothing really special. In terms of re-signings, as usual, Jerry Jones keen on keeping his own players. He re-signed Donovan Wilson, a safety, to a three-year, $21 million deal. Leighton Van Der Esch. Famous Wolf Hunter for a two-year, eight million dollar deal. Cooper Rush, Sean Lee. He's gonna get injured in a couple of games. He's gonna be the next Sean Lee, honestly. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I mean, it could Bro, happen. It's it a could Cowboys. Happen. It it's could a happen. Cowboys. <laughs> Anything can happen. What can go wrong? Will, will go, wrong. go wrong. They're an accident waiting to happen. Okay, I'll let you continue. <laughs> Um, they also re-signed the only reason why they even made the playoffs last year. Cooper Rush, the MVP of the Dallas Cowboys. Hmm. Honestly, they signed him to a two-year, $5 million deal. It's definitely worth it. I mean, he's going to be, you know, taking away snaps or, or splitting carries, splitting snaps with uh, Dak Prescott, the main QB. Because, you know, obviously Mike McCarthy loves to innovate in the offensive playground. He's going to be the first one to really try that 2QB system. Mark my words, guys. They're going to try the 2QB system with Dak Prescott handing off the ball and Cooper Rush making the fake throw so that Dak Prescott can somehow miss, you know, C.D. Lamb on the outside. That's a bold strategy here, Cotton. Yes. Let's see what they'll do. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the Eagles were going to do the 2QB system like, what, three years ago? See, yeah. but the Eagles are smart. <laughs> they don't have Mike McCarthy. <laughs> now, now, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> but okay. But in, enough uh, disrespect to Mike McCarthy. He did. He did. He did get us a Super Bowl for the Packers. So I will. You know, because of a Rod. Because of Aaron Rodgers. That's all I'm gonna say. Yes. Yes. And kind of yes. I'll I'll mm-hmm. I'll talk about that later. But yeah, let's keep moving. So they re-signed Cooper Rush, the MVP. Dante Fowler Jr., a defensive end, uh, extra pass rush in case, you know, Michael Parsons get injured or Demarcus Lawrence, you know, walks out uh, to a one-year, $3 million deal and a couple of other backups. Now, in terms of draft, they got Mozzie Smith at pick number 27, all because... Thank you! Wrong Smith! Uh, thank <laughs> you, Buffalo Bills. Thank you. As we talked about in the AFC East, you know, they moved up just in front of the Cowboys to draft Mr. Dalton Kincaid, the best Dalton, the only good Dalton, the Dalton that <laughs> the Cowboys wanted. So they selected him. Um, you know, the Buffalo Bills selected him. So now, you know, obviously the Cowboys have to improve their defensive line. Um, and so they got Mozzie Smith, a big, you know, defensive, interior defensive tackle-ish, yeah. you know, three, uh, you know, three tackle. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Big run stuffer out of Michigan. And then they got his teammate in the second round, tight end Luke Schoonmaker or Schoonmaker, who's also a pretty good tight end, pretty good replacement for Dalton Schultz. I'll say they're pretty equivalent with each other. They're you know pretty decent pass catchers, um, a decent blocker in his own right, not quite as blocking talent as Darnell Washington, and not as great of a receiving talent as Dalton Kincaid, but he's kind of in, you know, he's kind of like a Michael Meyer light. That's what you get out of Luke Schoonmaker. And so they needed a tight end replacement after letting go of Dalton Schultz. They then got DeMarvian Overshone, a linebacker out of Texas, Hook'em Horns, uh, Viliami Fahoko, a defensive edge, and oh, a couple of other backups. I'm guessing that's related to Braden Fahoko. Um, he used to play for Texas Tech as a defensive end, and uh, then he went over to LSU was part of their championship team and then um and then he is i believe he was with i think he was like circulating between the lions and the chargers but yeah if it's a fehelko then damn that's good and one thing i did notice i don't know if it's been back-to-back years but like apparently cowboys love drafting players from michigan like how eagles are in love with drafting players from georgia yeah because didn't they get micah parsons from michigan no they got for penn state Oh yeah, 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 yeah. My bad, my bad. Um, but yes, they they do love their Michigan players. You know, Big Ten, Big Ten players, yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, so they drafted a couple backups, especially on the defensive line. Um, and then they drafted one offensive tackle, but later in the round, uh, later in the fifth round, actually. So that's it from their acquisitions. In terms of who they let go, obviously they let go of Zeke because he was not worth $100 million. Funny how that turns out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They also let go of Connor McGovern, 
and Dalton Schultz, three backup wide receivers, and a bunch of backup defensive players. So they did, they let go of a lot of people, but they also did trade for two um, household names. Okay. Well, not kind of household. Okay. Stefan Gilmore as a cornerback and Brandon Cooks as wide receiver too. So now if you look at um, your wide receiver lineup for the Cowboys, you have CD Lamb as wide receiver one, mm-hmm. who's actually very good. Uh, Brandon Cooks is now your wide receiver two, who's actually very good. And he's yep. just bounced around a lot of teams. And Michael Gallup as your number three, along with I'm a, I'm a little scared for Brandon Brooks, man. I'm not gonna lie. Oh yeah, Brandon Any, Cooks is anytime Brandon Brooks wasn't hurt against the Eagles, he's cooked us before. Brandon Cooks, <laughs> yeah. No he is intended. good. He <laughs> cooked us. Yeah. Like so Cooks uh, literally cooked uh, against us, yeah. Basically, yeah. And and he he's... wanted to be an Eagle when when he wanted uh when he got drafted. Um, when the Saints took him, um, he he really wanted Chip Kelly to go get him. I guess Chip wanted to get him too. He couldn't um, in the first round in Ooh. 2014. Um, so like he ever since then, I think like every time he plays us, Brandon Cooks just basically cooks us. Except for the Super Bowl, we knocked his ass out. But <laughs> oh, if not, oh yeah, if right. That There's been that a one different result. He caught that one play, but Malcolm Jenkins, like I don't know, he like spy, laid a spine buster on him. I think because that that very We're year, a huge hit. yeah, Eagles were gonna trade Malcolm Jenkins back to the Saints for Brandon Cooks and a first. Whoa, we kind of dodged. I mean, thank God they I mean, did that. <laughs> but but could you have imagined if Brandon Cooks continued to stay with um you know the Eagles, you would have had your wide receiver trio of AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and Brandon Cooks. No, ooh, I would like that more. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I think like my, but then I would have, but um, if Brandon Cooks had been with the Eagles like before prior to the Super Bowl, I then I didn't think we would need like Alshon Jeffrey nor Toy mm. Smith to help out with Carson Wentz. But then again, I think the Eagles are able to get through with us with the Super Bowl when we were able to get Nelson reposition Nelson Aguilar to the slot, have Zacherts be that that secondary target. Along with then have that speed option, Torrey Smith and wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey. It helped out Carson Wentz, and plus, and also that run game really, really helped out too. With um, shoot, I'm trying to remember Lagarde Blunt and Jay Ajayi. And then when yep. he got when Wentz got hurt, we had Foles coming RPO to the Super Bowl, RPO to the SB. That's how we did it. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right, so. Enough of Brandon Cooks. He's cooked us before now. So, <laughs> so, bro, enough. Yeah. So, let's move on to some of the elite moves that they have made uh, in terms of staffing changes. The Cowboys, they have unfortunately let go of Mr. Elite Offensive Coordinator, the next Sean McVay, Kellen Moore. I mean, it's such a great loss to. You know, the Cowboys community and especially the Cowboys offense. Done. Someone who's done, such a visionary. Done, exactly. Done, 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 done. Nope, not morning. 
Yeah, I mean, for you guys, it must be the greatest news in the world, right? To let go, uh, to to see to see Kellen Moore leave the Cowboys and be replaced with Brian Schottenheimer, who's there from the Seahawks uh, under Russell Wilson. Somehow that offense is going to be uh, presented here. Uh, that's going to be hilarious to see Dak Prescott try and play like Russell Wilson. Ooh, mm. he'd be like run the ball. Right? Uh, and yeah. then Jack Prescott is in Cowboys country. Let's lasso. <laughs> no, Cowboys, Cowboys country. Giddy up. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it fits the Cowboys. Let's ride because they ride yes. Cowboys. Right. Exactly. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Cowboys country. Let's giddy up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! Every time we talk about the Cowboys, we laugh. Why? Because they are America's greatest entertainment team. That's what they are. You honestly don't need MTV. I mean, like, here's the thing, folks, ladies and gentlemen. Why we love watching and making fun of the Cowboys? You don't need MTV. You don't need an MTV subscription. You do not need HB an HBO subscription. Cancel all of them. All you gotta do is turn on. A well, Cowboys you need an HBO game. subscription when the Cowboys are on, so you can. Oh, yes, that. HBO Max. HBO <laughs> Max for yes. that. But but then again, when you're watching the Cowboys play and watch them fail at the when it all matters the most you don't need any other entertainment in the world you have exactly. it right there they are doing america a service so i mm -hmm. have to applaud the cowboys for this exactly and and you don't even have to pay money to get satellite tv just turn on your cable news and every cowboy game will be shown on fox network and so you'll be able to see that for they free game of the quote-unquote fox's game of the week exactly yeah. america's game of the week you'll see I, the cowboys side note i love how this episode is just quickly turned to the, <laughs> the, the Cowboys. it's a giddy up session that's what we're doing <laughs> bro I, I need I need to get some I need to get some air, bro. Keep, keep on going. <laughs> Alrighty, so um, moving on to what they can improve on from last year. Uh, their offense, given the fact that they had Mister Elite Offensive Coordinator, the next Sean McVay, they produced a almost bang on average NFL offense. They were literally ranked fifteenth overall one spot above average in terms of overall DVOA, offensive DVOA. They were ranked 13th in terms of pass and the 10th against the rush. But here is the kicker. They had the third easiest schedule last year, and they could only muster an average offense. <laughs> Oh, yep. <laughs> Are you talking about their run game or their <laughs> their overall offensive game? Oh, they could wow. only muster an average offense, given the fact that they had the third easiest schedule in terms of opposing defensive DVOA faced. Funny, you know what's really funny about that? If you think, like, it's 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 very fitting because if you look at that one song that Stephen A. Smith plays when he roasts the Cowboys. The first line is a mediocre team in Big D. Mm -hmm. Mediocre. That's Medium. what they are. Middle. 
this is That's who they what are. They are. And, and it goes to the story of their season. One word can describe their season. Not just mediocre. Um, inconsistency. That was their entire season on offense. Just inconsistent rushing-wise. They Both of their running backs had their moments and were effective in spurts, as you can see on film, right? And the offensive line was decent, but then sometimes both were ineffective, right? But the offensive line couldn't block for their lives. Running backs couldn't move. Zeke was, you know, shot basically. And it could really see that if, if you look at their overall season-wise. You forgot one thing about Zeke, man. Did you know that he was he is a dual threat? Not as a running back, <laughs> but as an offensive line. You saw him play. <laughs> the genius. The so next good. John McVay. This is such a hollow Brilliant play design. <laughs> Where do you guys predict Zeke to end up when the season oh, starts? Honestly, that's an actual good question. Um, I think he's back with the boys. No, I I doubt mm, it. I mean, I'm looking at know. the running back room: Tony Pollard, See, Moses Davis, Ronald Jones, and Deuce Vaughn. That rookie, exactly. Deuce so, Vaughn, I, and I have a beat the dough moment here. Uh huh. Deuce Vaughn. I saw his stats and and I saw his play in Kansas State. This is the same university where the great Darren Sproles used to play. I think he nearly broke some of his records in all scrimmage yards. The way that he functions as a small back and has a similar style, I think he's going to evolve. I think um, beat the dome. He's going to be the, the Cowboys version of Darren Sproles, but they better use him correctly. Ooh, okay, okay. I know he's really good on offense. Mm. Well, he's really good. So that's someone, uh, as Eagles fans, we need to keep an eye on that guy. Okay. Just one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, going back to your Zeke question, Pete, honestly, mm -hmm. I could see Zeke winding up as RB2 in Jacksonville. And here's why. You already have too. Travis Etienne, right? Yep. He's going to be your Tony Pollard-type situation player. Mm -hmm. You know, your gadget running back receiver kind of player and then if you want in terms of the power game if you want someone who can just you know stuff inside right and and just get yeah. those hard one to two yards zeke is your guy plus they also have dearness johnson who had a you know a pretty awesome showing behind that browns o-line so oh, i, I, mean, I could Deanna. see that yeah. Yep. yeah what do you think pete about the Zeke? Cowboys? No, landing oh. spot. Yeah. I can definitely see um, Jags, mm -hmm. or I can also see the Bills. Yeah. I was going to say that. They need like a hard-hitting running back, and they can actually oh, use yeah. him. And if they use him and they actually have a running game, they'll go far in the playoffs as well. But I can see the way if, if, you, if, if Zeke goes to like um, Jacksonville, Doug will know exactly how to use him. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You'll know exactly. You you will see him the way he played in Ohio State. Like you will oh. see that Zeke or some version of it. Oh, I do think we have a beat the dough moment right here from Pete. Really? You know, exactly. Because uh, Doug Peterson is like he knows he knows the X and, and what he saw 
um, X and O's of the game, right? So it's just he knows how to use the right players in the right system, and mm. he like you know well, he they can they can do what they did with the Eagles in 2017, kind of use Zeke like a Jake Jai or Legarrette Blunt type of player, because that's that's what he is nowadays. Exactly. Like, you know, exactly. He's not he's not the machine he was when he came out in 2016, right? So kind so of like of Mark Ingram. Out. Like a snap yeah. count. Yeah. 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 Kind of kind of like Mark Ingram for the Saints, you know, a couple of years ago when Drew Brees was still the QB, right? You had Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara as your yeah. two running backs. Yeah. So but yeah. Alrighty. So uh yeah, going back to what they can improve on. Rushing wise, you know, both are both the Cowboys running backs were pretty decent. Mm-hmm. They were 16th in terms of second-level yards gained, so that means the yards that they got once they cleared the defensive line, and then seventh when they were in open field, so once they crossed the entire front seven, right? And both running backs were in the top 25 of all running backs last year in terms of DYAR, which is a uh, statistic that's basically stands for defensive adjusted yards above replacement. So what these guys at Football Outsiders did was they accumulated uh, all the stats for all the running backs over this past year and they averaged it out against you know all the defenses that you have um, and the defensive performances and they produced an average metric right that's that's the above replacement so how much how many yards would a replacement running back an average running back would they uh you know how many yards would an average running back get if they faced these defenses and so dyar is how many yards above replacement would you have obviously the higher yardage you have as running back above replacement the more value that you would provide if you have less that means it's you're not really the one doing all the work it's really you know the offensive line or the scheme or something else so for the running backs to both be in the top 25 of dyar that means they were actually pretty productive and you know <clears throat> their offensive line was also pretty decent, uh, especially in power running situations. So basically when you have to get the hard one to two yards, right? They were fifth, but they were ranked 17th in a stuffing percentage. So how many times were they stuffed in the line in, in one to two yards on third down situations? How many times were they stuffed? 17th so that means they they were stuffed pretty pretty decently high and they're also ranked 17th in adjusted line yards so that means it's a a statistic designed to measure how much the offensive line contributed to you know a, a running team's success so they were only 17th which means their offensive line didn't do a lot of the work it was mostly their running backs so again the story is the same. They were inconsistent. At times, their offensive line was good, like in power running situations, but in other times, their running backs did the work, like in, in most you know play-action situations where you had Tony Pollard get those massive 20, 25-yard gains and even Zeke getting those 8, 10-yard gains. Right, So it's very inconsistent. Now, passing-wise, they were inconsistent for a different reason. Right, Initially, they were pretty decent, but over the course of the season, uh, they 
were reduced to around eighth in completed air yards per completion, 16th in adjusted net yards per attempt, ninth in expected points gained, seventh in touchdown percentage. So decently productive. But they also had the 12th highest drop percentage, the seventh highest bad throw percentage, and the 12th lowest on target percentage. So the reason why these these stats paint a very inconsistent picture, there's that word again, is because Dak only played 12 games and Cooper Rush played in the other games. So while their offensive line was actually pretty good in the pass rushing, uh, in, in pass blocking standpoint, they were fourth in adjusted sack rate allowed. So, you know, a good foundation there. But <clears throat> building off of their... A uh, good foundation in in the offensive line because their quarterback play was inconsistent, and their wide receiving play was also pretty inconsistent. Given that they had the twelfth highest drop percentage, they had a okay pass defense, uh, pass offense, right? So the story of the Cowboys' offense is inconsistency. That's what they have to improve on. And a large part of it would be, you know, having Dak as your main QB, not having him injured, and having Tony Pollard as your starting QB. Don't split carries with Zeke. Have Tony Pollard as your starting QB and actually build an offensive line and an offensive scheme that's worth, um, you know, running. So that's the story of the Cowboys offense. Now, moving on to their defense, it was actually pretty good. I mean, fantastic defense under Dan Quinn. They were second overall DVOA, third against the pass, fifth against the rush. Actually better than the Eagles. Um, <clears throat> Rushing-wise, they were 10th in adjusted line yards allowed, 15th against the second-level yards, and 10th in open field. But mm -hmm. here's a little bit of inconsistency. They were 23rd in power and 18th in stuff percentage. So that means the defensive line didn't do their job in, you know, stuffing the offensive, uh, the opposing offensive line and uh, and preventing the running backs from getting those hard one to two yards. So that play has to improve and they have to be bigger, eat up more space and play in the gaps. Right. Yep. Especially. So both their interior defensive line also, uh, you know, need some help and a little bit of their edge setting, too, because on both of the outside, both the left and right tackles, they were ranked 12, uh, 22nd and 19th in adjusted line yards uh, spread outside of the tackle. So whenever the opposing line uh, of uh, offenses ran the football outside of both tackles, the edges were not really strong and well defended. And their interior run stuff, for some reason, was actually pretty good. So it's kind of like, you know, situationally, their defensive line plays well, but situationally, they also don't play that well. So it's really a, a combination of their front seven and their... um and their consistent D-line play, especially in the in the, in the edges. Now, <clears throat> what was actually pretty uh, pretty good for them, along with their rush defense, was their pass defense. They had the sixth best secondary group according to PFF. They had the seventh fewest uh, adjusted net yards per attempt allowed. They had the eighth highest interception percentage. Thank you, uh, Trayvon Diggs. 
But also, thank you, Trayvon Diggs. They were 17th in allowed touchdown percentage. So red zone defense was burnt toast. Um, that that could be why they had 17th, you know, they were 17th in touchdown percentage, 11th in uh, completion per- percentage allowed, and fourth in expected points. So pass wise, it is pretty evident that, you know, they have a pretty decent lockdown corner group, but they, you know, are pretty inefficient in the red zone and, and they let a couple of the big plays go, especially. Trayvon Diggs. So one thing that they have to improve on is their D-line rushing scheme and then also being a little bit more consistent in the back end as a secondary. Now their strength is their edge rushers, edge rushers, right? They had the second highest adjusted sack rate and the second highest uh, uh, pass rush win rate, all both behind the Eagles last year. And Micah, uh, Micah Parsons had the highest pass rush win rate amongst defensive ends. So if they can continue working on their pass rush um, as as their strength, not let that slip, improve their rush defense a little bit, especially on the edges and a little bit in the interior in certain situations. That's why you get someone like Amazi Smith. You know, he's he's a really big run stuffer in in the first round, so that should help. But yeah, that's what the Cowboys have to do on the defense and on the offense, just be a little bit more consistent. But will that happen? No. No. <laughs> exactly. Pete knows. Answer, we know answer, the truth. My, answer teacher is no. Yes. It's like writing a 10-page essay on a topic, but then you realize, oh, wait, I forgot to actually answer the question. What is the answer? You have five seconds left. Just write no. Because you know that's the yeah. truth. Yeah. Alrighty, that's it from the Cowboys. Now on to Pete Nathan, who's who's gonna talk about the Eagles. All right, guys, thanks for the opportunity. So let's start off with who the Eagles um, lost in free agency. So some of the players: uh, Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders, Javon Hargrave, Andre Dillard. T.J. Edwards, Kazir White, Marcus Epps, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson, to name a few. If I'm missing anybody else, Rakshak, let me know. Um, but I think like those the, were like some of the big, yeah, those were some the of big, the big, big, the big names, right? Yeah. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, um, yeah, Javon Hargrave. That was a big loss in the interior tackle position. Correct. And then we also, and then of course Miles Sanders um, being being um, going going to the to the Panthers for obviously more money. Mm-hmm. And um, and in one time, we almost let go of Darius Slade, but then we were able to bring him back. Right, right. So let me get to that. So the people we did bring back is, um, let me see, Darius Slade, mm-hmm. James Bradbury. We were able to bring back both of them. We brought back BG, Brandon Graham. Six million dollar deal. We also brought back uh, Jason Kelsey for one more year, despite drafting Cam Jurgens last year in the second round. Hopefully, there's a spot for him, but I'll get to that. Fourteen point two five million deal for Jason Kelsey. Anytime a uh, future Hall of Famer that want to come back, 
you're not going to say no, especially a, a leader of the team, you know, the, a, a guy who keeps the team afloat and all that. You're definitely going to bring him back. And um, and then we signed some free agents. Um, so we got Marcus Mariota as a backup QB, which is a better move compared to who we had last year. And now you do not have to change the offense as much if or when Jalen gets hurt. Okay, we oh, don't want Jalen to get hurt, but you do not have to change that offense too much because Marcus can definitely run this offense. And Marcus has some players in the Eagles who he played with before, i.e. Anton um, A.J. Brown and, right? um, and and the speedster Devin Allen. That awesome. And I did. And I also did notice that there were some releases, um, some players that the Eagles did release. Um, and we lost oh, okay. two of our running backs in Kazir White. No, no, two linebackers, Kazir White to the Cardinals and and TJ Edwards, who signed a I think he was one of the first casualties. Um, and he went to the Chicago Bears for like a three, four year deal. Basically, he returns back home. We lost both of our linebackers. And then not only did we lose Chauncey Gardner Johnson, but we also um lost Marcus Epps, who is now a safety with the um with the LA Raiders. Well, no, Las Vegas Raiders. Las Goodness, Las not Vegas. Oakland anymore. Um, no, it's not yeah, LA. Las That's like the 1980s. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, <laughs> when it was yeah. when they were awesome back then, but yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, he's with the he's with the Las Vegas Raiders, and then and then we did lose um, our third or fourth string wide receiver in um, Zach Pascal. I thought he was a good, serviceable blocking wide receiver, but nice right. with the Cardinals. He re reunites. And um, with with Jonathan Gannon of all people, I'm sick of that yeah. guy. But so um, let, yeah, let, um, me, let me get to the guys we signed up. Yeah, so, let's do that, um, please. Just yeah, for my own sanity. So, <laughs> right, 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 right. So, um, so we did uh, sign uh, a safe, a couple of safeties. Uh, we signed Terrell Edmonds from um, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. A uh, pretty decent player. Uh, he can cover, but he's is more of. Uh, come come down and hit you type of guy in the run um, and we have reed blankenship to pair with him we also got justin evans great special teams player uh you know that had to be replaced because our special teams has been lacking a little bit so i'm glad we got him we also got nicholas morrow um a linebacker from i think he, he came from the from raiders the Chicago Bears. from oh, Chicago Chicago Bears. Bears. So, yeah he used to play for the raiders before that i think um, he's got speed, but he's not a Kazir White, but we'll see what happens. I'll get to more of that later on uh, when I cover the coaches because there's an important nugget that I want to cover on that, on linebackers. And um, we got Greedy Williams from the Browns, um, and uh, and then we signed Boston Scott, Rashad Penny, and then we traded for um, – That trade for that DeAndre Swift. Oh my DeAndre God. Swift. That was huge during the NFL draft. That was huge during and the NFL draft. So I think like entering yeah. in entering like in the draft, like when we saw when like we Eagles, so we saw like, oh, Miles Sanders is gone. We're gonna be left with Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell. And our third one was like Trey Sermons and Kennedy Brooks. I don't feel comfortable about this. But then when we see that we got Rashad Penny, he's like, okay, that's all right, but Rashad Penny can get injured sometimes. He doesn't usually play a healthy season. But when I saw G that DeAndre Swift trade during the draft, oh my God, Howie Roseman with a finesse! Like, like honestly, why do 
why do and other NFL teams like pick up pick up the phone when they know that Howie Roseman's going to fleece them? I have no idea to this day. But they probably don't have a choice. <laughs> they don't have a choice. That is for sure. And so, we got to talk about the draft. How? So let's the, talk like, about the draft, right? Um, we were all like waiting and say who the Eagles are going to pick. And they end up coming up with Jalen Carter ninth overall. Now that was a steal. Right? The and we thought, go okay, this is done. We were happy about Jalen Carter. And then they I go love- ahead and get Nolan Smith. Oh, that was like two in a row. We got we basically got Georgia, Georgia on the first round. That was really good. I liked I like those moves. So yeah, they did lose Javon Hargrave, but they've replaced him with Jalen Carter. Will he be more that effective this year? Probably not. He'll probably get his feet wet and you know start to get better towards the end of the year. And by next year, he'll be he'll be closer to a Javon Hargrave. And and Nolan Smith, you know, uh, the sky is the limit, man. Like you know, he's, you basically got another Hassan Reddick type of player on the opposite side. So I like the way the Eagles drafted. And then we got Tyler Steen out of um, Alabama. And um, Tyler Steen is competing with um, Cam Jurgens for the right tackle, right guard position, right? And Tyler Steen got the the size advantage to actually win that. So, uh, which is what draws the question, like what is Cam Jurgens doing in this Eagles roster another year not playing you know um right we're gonna have to find ways to like use him in the run game um whether i.e full uh fullback or whatnot and then we did draft a safety this eagles rarely do this but we did draft a safety sydney brown um, i thought that was a very interesting pick i like i like that pick. right i was hoping for brian branch but Unfortunately, oh, yeah, just yeah. took him. But Sidney Brown being a good equivalent, I think it, it, it. He's very athletic. He's a hard hitter. He was part of. He was one of that. He was part of the Illinois at Urbana Champagne team that had the likes of Devin Witherspoon, and I and his twin brother Chase Brown is a is now playing running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. So that mm-hmm. and there's like a really cool backstory for that. So I did love the oh, Sidney yeah. Brown pick. Yeah, that was a good pick. I've I've heard good things about him uh, in camp, but let's see what happens. You know, training camp, preseason, as the season continues. You know, that's when the real story happens. You know, that's when you will really know what happens. So I will wait till that, and then we trade. We I think we traded back into the fourth round for Keely Ringo. What? Uh, wow! And we did we did pay him. I think we just uh, we signed just a contract signed with Keely him. Ringo to a contract. So right. with that, we have break. We um, I will um, P and I would like to report on the breaking the Makedar news. The Eagles have signed all seven of their draft picks, and they'll get to the uh-huh. the last two. But Keely Ringo, a steal in the fourth round, and another Georgia player. He has the speed. He just needs to work on 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 basically switching. He I think he may start as a slot position, but then again. They're gonna to get to the coaching part, and Pete is gonna go yep. talk. Is gonna talk about that. And then two more players, and they're worth mentioning. Uh, some one of them might make it, one of them might not. Um, Tana McKee from uh, Stanford, QB, 
And then uh, Moro Jomo, who I have high hopes for. I think he will make the team. He's a defensive tackle. Uh, he can play on the inside and a little bit on the outside, depending on, on the type of play. So uh, let's move on. Hook him. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted uh -huh. to say, like, Moro Jomo, uh, as, as a fellow, uh, you know, UT fan, Texas fan, he was actually pretty good for the Longhorns. You know, a couple of games, especially if you want to look at the at that Alabama game. The amount of pressure that he had, uh, in in, in the face of Bryce Young, exactly. So it's a pretty good selection for you guys, especially with having Fletcher Cox and you know Jalen Carter and Javon, you know, yeah, Jalen Carter Jordan as your teammates, and Jordan Davis as your teammates. Oh, yeah. don't forget to be Kobe Dean and Nolan Smith, and then maybe Keely Ringo. You basically have Georgia North here, right? Well, also in yeah. terms of like defensive line depth, um, it's probably the most stacked defensive line that I've seen in the NFL right now. And dude, what's right. even more crazier, Marlon Tuipolotu is going to um, defensive one of the defensive tackles that the Eagles drafted last year. He's going to come yeah. back from he's going to come back from um, from injury. And don't forget, the Eagles also got um, defensive end Kentavious Street or yeah. Or Catavia Street or Sweat. Uh -huh. like, Street from the from the like, Yep. I mean, like, good lord. This offseason, yeah, I mean I cannot wait to see who's gonna be on the Eagle on the Eagles 53, especially on the defensive line. Like right. And and crap. what a time we live in right now as Eagle fans to have all these players in our rosters. Cause we used to be the team that would be looking for another team that would have some player that might get cut. And we are like, Oh man, we get excited about that player. Like, Oh, we're going to pick that guy up. But now other teams are looking at us and like, Oh man, let me pick that guy who gets cut. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. a good <laughs> to be in. like, you know, before we used to be that team, like ooh, with the wide, the seventh wide receiver that gets cut, like, you know, cause we didn't have shit back then. So, now we're the tides have turned, so I kind of love this. Love it. So let's uh, let's go to the the coaches and the front office hires. Uh, we let me let me pull that up right now. So and I think like with filling that in, um, let me help you out with that one, Pete. Um, I know mm -hmm. we the Eagles did lose both co coordinators after the Super Bowl. First one has to go with Shane Steichen, who accepted a job now with the Indianapolis Colts. And with that, our QB control, our QB coach um, Brian Johnson, is um, is elevated to the do the as the offensive, offensive coordinator position. Yeah, and and a little bit interesting for those that don't know, Brian Johnson has a relation, a special relationship with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts' dad used to coach Brian Johnson back in back in high school and up to college, and I think maybe in some college years. And Brian Johnson one time led. A University of Utah Utes, UT Utes, um, Utes team to an undefeated season. Do you know anything more about that offense? Nah, not too, not too much more. I, I just know that Jalen's known him since he was four years old. So, um, which is a long time, man, to know somebody. Um, and then um, we did uh, let go of Jonathan Gannon, actually. Let him go to the Cardinals. Uh, thank God, because if we had the Cowboys' defensive coordinator, we probably win the Super Bowl, right? If we had a any type of coordinator that can actually do their job, we're probably winning the Super Bowl. So um, I think Jonathan Gannon dropped the ball more than a few times, 
and uh, and then he talked shit about us when he went back to the Cardinal when he went to the Cardinals. So good riddance is he's gone. Um, we did hire a better coordinator, Sean Desai, um, from the Bears. Uh, that was a great hire, and we did we get we got DJ Elliott from from um, from Georgia. I think um, he used to coach uh, Davion Taylor, and he said like Davion Taylor got a lot of potential, and he he's he, he's excited to coach him this year and see what what he can do with him, and he's uh, a very knowledgeable coach when it comes to linebackers, and another elevation is DK McDonald from the defensive side, um, and then one addition that we made that I am not too fond of is senior defensive assistant, Matt Patricia. Oh Lord. And, uh, Darius Slay says he's, oh, he's, he's crushed, um, like the beef that he had with him before, but you know, uh, these things only like gets heated up when the season starts. So I hope he stays out of it and, uh, let Sean decide to do his thing and coach. And I love the press conference that Sean Desai had, you know, um, I'm excited about his coaching style. So hopefully, you know, he gets his defense tightened up, but as the offense, uh, Brian Johnson is going to be coaching, uh, jail, Jalen hurts and Marcus Brady is going to be helping with that. Cause Marcus Brady, as soon as he came from the Indianapolis Colts, the passing got better. Um, and, uh, on the, and I think that's that's what's the important about the Eagles this year is last year they had a lot of running plays in the red zone. They need to convert a, at least half of them into passing plays. And I think Jalen had what, uh, Ruxia, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, 22 pass touchdowns and 13 rush touchdowns, right? Um, I I think you may be correct on that. And yeah. and. Um, order Nimshim, which is stumble for in a, just a moment. Um, okay, okay. this so, is for while, all while you check that. What I'm yeah. saying is, like, if you if you can convert half of those those rushing touchdowns into passing, that would be a progressive way to improve as a quarterback. And I think that's that's where Jalen has to take the step, throw more in the middle of the middle of the offense, right? Um, throw a little bit more touchdowns to Dallas Goddard, um, you know, maybe have. 10, 12 touchdowns among A.J. Brown and uh, Devontae Smith, you know, 10, 12 each. Um, and then, um, you know, just just improve overall as as he reads the defense, because now the teams are they're going to try to stop Jalen Hurts uh, on the run game. So you need to evolve your pass game a little bit more. And it, it doesn't mean that you got to elevate to such a level where like a Mike Holmgren or Andy Reid style, but you just got to elevate a little bit more. So I hope Nick Sirianni, all these guys get together and, and give them a better playbook because the season is going to be harder this year. The schedule is a little hard uh, compared to the years before. So now we will really see how the Eagles adjust. Um, and, um, on other news, we did get um, for for scouting wise, we did get Brandon Hunt from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Huh? Uh, this Brandon Brandon Hunt. So he's oh, the director of scouting. Scouting. So he used to be in the Pittsburgh Steelers under um, who was their GM? Um, Kevin Colbert, right? Kevin Colbert is like a master when it comes to drafting wide receivers. Right, he got Mike Wallace, um, Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, 
uh, and the list keep goes on and on. And this guy used to be the pro scouting coordinator for them, like I think about like 12 plus years. And then he came over to the Eagles. So he's definitely going to help out Howie for, for the future. And, um, and the Eagles got their mindset on drafting SEC players finally. So that we're on the right track. We just got to fine tune a couple more things and then we can get back to the Super Bowl. If not get back to the Super Bowl the year after this year, you know, cause it's very hard to get back, back to back years, but like, I'm hoping they will, but if they don't just keep that, that uh, standard and like keep improving it. And I think, as long as you have a Jalen Hurts, as long as you have some of these guys in the locker room, it'll be a lot easier to do as opposed to what we had before with Carson Wentz and um, with the team falling apart. And I think uh, Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts' relationship um, definitely matters um, because um, they, you know, they get out of each other's backs, and and Jalen's going, Jalen's going to keep this team afloat. So that's. That's uh, my perspective on the Eagles. And uh, what about the defense? See. Yeah. So the defense. Let's let's pull up the defense real quick. Um, the defense is gonna be special, man. Like the defense, uh, we we got. I want. I'm really excited to see what Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, and those guys are gonna do, and how Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and everybody else are gonna gonna bring them around. Um, it is gonna is it they're not going to I think they're gonna be more of an attacking style defense this year as opposed to the years past because Jonathan Gannon just wanna lay back and give up the yards and not give up the touchdown, but then he ends up giving up the touchdowns too. So that didn't work out for us too well. This year I think we'll be more up front, we'll be challenging. Um, even the cornerbacks, I think like you know, you can let Slay play more man. Um and then um only only problem with uh the corners I see is James Bradbury. He does have uh, a tendency to get beat over the top on some plays with certain receivers. But other than that, uh the defense should be solid. It should be coming along. Um don't expect any sudden changes. It'll you know it'll be it's gonna be a gradual change. Um we can definitely help uh, use some help in the linebacker core. Um oh, please Talk you know that. um yeah, man, we definitely can use some. Uh, I think I think they they may be bringing in a guy like Patrick Queen or someone like that. Um, I think Howie's probably got something up his sleeve when the se when the preseason starts. Um, it's probably gonna they're probably gonna observe how these guys play, and then they they will definitely bring a legit linebacker to like to the room. Like you need at least one, and I'm really excited to see what Nicobe Dean is gonna do this year. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be back to his college self pretty soon and wow. and you have the right guys coaching him so he's definitely going to take it to that level um but this 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 is a wait and see moment because we're still in july you know this is all expectations of what a team can do it, this team is very talented if they put their minds together and then keep grinding hard you know they're going to be right there uh they might not be the top team in the NFC, but I don't think you need to be the top team in the NFC to go to the NFC championship or to the Super Bowl. You just have to win enough games in the NFC, just win in the playoffs, and you're there in the Super Bowl. And then that, that'll give you the right mentality to beat a team like Kansas City. And we do have a game with them this year, so you know we'll see how we do. 
So with that said, those are my thoughts. Damn. This is why we have people like Pete Nathan talk about the Eagles. Anand, this is why we get Pete Nathan to talk about the Eagles again. This is why we get Pete Nathan to talk about the Eagles. Again, <laughs> let's go. You already got me pumped already, man. Yeah. Thank you so much, bro. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, yeah, I, I did forget to mention uh, some of our wide receiver additions. Uh, we did add uh, Olamid Zacchaeus. Uh, Olamide Zacchaeus. Uh, the, OZ. Yeah, from the from the Falcons. And I think it's gonna, he's going to give a good uh, slot game. Um, for Jalen as well. So, you know, that's another guy that he can help uh, Jalen's progression. We got a couple guys from um, from uh, Oklahoma. We got Charleston Rambo, who used to be a speedster back in the day with uh, Oklahoma. He did play with Jalen and uh, Jaden Hazelwood. So let's see if any of these guys actually make the team. If they do, it's great. Um, if they beat out Quest Watkins, you know, it's even better. Because, uh, I don't. I mean, like, the team's got – Quest Watkins is back, but like I don't know, man. We'll we'll see when when the when the, when the lights come on, you know. And um, we did get a tight end, Dan Arnold from uh, used to play for the Saints. He's he's a pretty solid tight end, but I don't see the Eagles keeping four tight ends. So I think they're just gonna go with Dallas Goddard, uh, Jack Stoll, and uh, Grant Calcaterra. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you on that. But um, definitely spot on, Pete. I'm really looking forward to this season. And um, yeah, before we, and with that, like any thoughts on, on the Eagles, on, on any thoughts? I hate you guys. How can, <laughs> how can you make such good moves repeatedly year after year? I hate it. I hate it. This is exactly what I wanted the Packers to do, but kind of squandered it. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it all depends upon the general manager. Who you have in your front office kind of dictates what the culture of your team is going to is going to look like in the past terms. Exactly. Jeff Lurie is a great example of of that continuity. No little to none controversy at all. Howie Roseman Howie Rose Howie Roseman's a god. Like if I had a if I if I had a puja room next to the <laughs> I pray, I will have an idol of Howie Roseman. I will do a puja for him. If I had a, to to add to that, Howie Roseman was not the GM he is now, like ten years. Right, ago. Right. right. He made so many mistakes. He put he That's made true. so many fires that he had to put out himself. And because Jeffrey Laurie likes him, he kept him right and how right. he learned from his mistakes and he got the right people and he's finally listening to their advice before he wouldn't right. listen to them he would just do his own get players from the pac 12 you know get whoever he wants from out of oh. michigan or whatnot and then and then it'll be a disaster and then like there's so many fans the thing about the eagle fans is like they're like a community you know what i mean they keep <laughs> all about you the whole fucking time they won't <laughs> let you go you you're not if you live in philly you're gonna hear about it you know, yes. if you turn on the radio, yes. you're going to hear about it. So he's finally listened to them, and he's coming around. So it's like, you know, it's it all depends on, like, the longevity of, like, the owner-general manager relationship. A lot of owners and general managers don't have that relationship, so they don't keep them around too long, so they don't get a chance to improve. Like, for the Eagles, you know, how he actually takes the steps and improves. And, you know, he was in the broom closet for a year 
when Chip got the reins in 2015, and then you know you know how that season went. So um, don't remind me. Do I think it really helped uh, Howie to turn around and becoming this GM that we see now today. So that's that's right. that's the only reason why the Eagles are improving. You know what I mean? Like so that's mm -hmm. why they also got the thinking that no matter who they hire as a head coach, they'll always be a good team because they will draft correctly. And they will put those coaches in the right positions because Howie is a wheeler and dealer when it comes to the free agency and he can do magic there. So that's why you don't have to hire a superstar coach because you got these guys in place, the right front office. I didn't want to believe this for the longest time. I, I was not a I didn't like Howie Roseman for the longest time, man. But now I'm I'm coming around, respect him a lot more. Cause I used to talk about Howie shit about Howie all the time, you know, because he would do some <laughs> dumb shit back in the day. So oh, yeah. now he's actually coming around and and he's actually improving. And it's like it just shows that you know if you actually take the time and listen to people around you, you can actually be better. So that's basically the testament of that. That's fair. That's fair. All righty, now let's move on to the Giants. All right, let's first start with the free agents that they acquired. They got Raheem Nunez Rochez from the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a defensive tackle. They got Bobby oh. Okariki. Oh, he's 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 a he's a pretty good defensive tackle. From I'm, Tampa I'm a little Bay. scared of this team. I'm a little scared of this team, to yeah. be honest. And 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 yeah. I'll and I'll let you know why. So Bobby Okariki, outside linebacker for four-year, $40 million deal. Uh, and then a couple of backup wide receivers and Jameson Crowder and Paris Campbell on a couple of one-year deals. They also re-signed Danny Dimes for four-year, $160 million deal. Derp, derp, derp. Like the urinating tree song. He, every exactly. talk about, about the Giants and Danny and Daniel Jones is like Danny Derps. Yeah. <laughs> they also retained uh, Dexter Lawrence to a four-year, $87.5 million deal. Sterling Shepard on a one-year deal and a couple of other backups. Mm -hmm. And for their draft picks, they drafted Deontay Banks, a cornerback, speedy, the fastest cornerback uh, DB in this previous draft. I think he had like a 4 2 oh, yeah. yard dash or something like some ridiculous... Um, so they drafted him in the first round. Then they got John Michael Schmitz, a center in I'm the second round. They got him. Yeah. Yeah. He is. I was, he, I was a little bit of the good but, offensive linemen. Oh, yeah. But like John Michael Smith, yeah, he, that's a good pickup. Definitely. Exactly. And then they also got Jalen Hyatt, speedy wide receiver outside of uh, out of Tennessee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and they a got couple some players. Of backups. Yeah. Yeah. First three rounds. Players. And then not picks. to mention, they got Darren Waller as a tight end. Exactly. Yeah. So, like uh, you know, like Pete mentioned, they traded for Darren Waller from the Raiders for just a third-round pick. And then, yeah. obviously, uh, they also moved up one spot from the 25th overall to the 24th overall to get Deontay Banks from the Jaguars. And the Jaguars then traded down with the Buffalo Bills for number 27, which allowed, obviously, the Buffalo Bills to get Dalton Schultz. Anyways, okay. thank you, Giants. <laughs> Dalton Kincaid, you mean not Dalton? Oh Schultz. yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah, Dalton Kincaid, Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, none of this makes any difference if Saquon Barkley doesn't come back. Exactly, and you said that's it. it. They released yeah. Saquon Barkley. I, I, I was surprised as, um, as you were too, and I'll tell you why Saquon Barkley was was such a an important uh, piece. 
Now, yeah. before we move on to that, uh, a couple of other players they released, Nick Gates, a guard, um, and then Julian Love, a free safety who signed with the Seahawks. Now, okay. correction, yeah. Donald, what's the team that you always refer the Seahawks to? Sea Chickens. Sea <laughs> Chickens. Alrighty. Um, one more piece of news from the from the staff change. Uh, a little bit of herstory. Angela Baker, <laughs> who was exactly, um, yep, uh, a, a phrase coined by Rakshak last year, last season. Okay, okay, okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, so every time we see, you know, a major news breakout, whether uh, for for female, you know, figures who have influential. Uh, you know, places that whether they're coaches or or staff members in NFL organizations, organizations, and whenever they have um, a, a piece of news regarding that, we call it herstory. So, uh, okay, yeah, regarding the Giants, Angela Baker, who was the Giants's inaugural recipient of the Rosie Brown Minority Coaching Fellowship last season. She had served as an offensive quality control coach. She is now an offensive assistant. So she spent much of last season uh, assisting Andy Bischoff in working with the tight ends. Congratulations. So, yeah. Congrats, Angela Baker. And this is courtesy of Big uh, yeah, Blue congrats, View. Yeah. So she's like the first female tight ends coach, or uh, yeah. I think no, I think she's she's just an offensive assistant for oh, the for the tight ends okay. coach. Yeah, yeah, okay. but you know it, it's it's a move. She she you know yeah. she improved. She yeah, was no, promoted. Yeah, that's cool. So exactly. So all right, now moving on to what the Giants can improve on, offensively speaking, they were actually good. They were ranked 10th. Mm -hmm. They were a top 10 offense last year in terms of defense, uh, offensive DVOA. They were a top 10 passing offense last year with Danny Dimes. And they were Damn. top, and they were the seventh ranked rushing offense. Ooh. And, and they had a much harder schedule than the Cowboys. They had the 12th hardest schedule, whereas the Cowboys had the third easiest schedule. So, <laughs> why so, am I, why am I why am I not surprised? Exactly. So, so you see a scenario where the Giants' offense is actually better than the Dallas offense, given the fact that the uh, Giants' offense even had a tougher schedule, all right, and less key players. They still had a more yeah. efficient offense. Um, rushing so wise, exactly. And not only yeah. that, they had Saquon Barkley. Their offensive yeah. line rushing wise wasn't good. They were ranked 24th, 20 like 24th in adjusted line yards, 26th in run block win rate, and you know, 21st in a bunch of other offensive line categories, but they were ranked second in uh power rush and 10th in open field. So that's the power of Saquon's th uh, thunder thighs, right? So more proof that it was all on Saquon to carry that offense he was 12th uh last year in dyar amongst wide uh, amongst running backs and he was he had the fifth highest expected yards gained slightly better than run cmc huh he was better than run cmc so in that scenario that's why the giants running game was so good 
they had Saquon, and now he's yeah. on a franchise tag. So I, this is the dumbest move the Giants could have done. Now, yes, Saquon has had an injury history, right? This was his comeback year. Previous years, yeah. he was, you know, um, obviously not available with with his health. But at least they could have made it so that he had, you know, like a two-year deal, but incentive-laden. So, you know, come up with the compromise. Give him a, a lower base salary, but give him a higher incentive-based overall salary where, you know, if he stays yeah. uninjured and right. has a successful season, he can earn the money that he deserves. But they didn't. I don't know if they offered a contract or not. They probably did. It wasn't probably to Saquon's liking, and now he's testing the free agent market. I think... Honestly, I think he's going to go back to the Giants on a cheaper deal. Mm. I don't think a lot of teams are going to... Yeah, I don't think a lot of teams are going to take a chance on Saquon, especially if, uh, with his injury history. And if they're going to take bring in somebody yeah. new, right, instead of relying on existing pieces or pieces that they've heard of who right. are more reliable, like Josh Jacobs... They the could Giants bring would, back... Uh, they could bring a guy like uh, Elliot. They could bring Zeke or Josh Jacobs, and, or even or, or Josh Cook. Jacobs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, or Dalvin. I mean, there's options. That's why he hasn't got paid yet, and he probably right. wants to get paid as what what um, more than what Miles got because Miles used to be his backup in Penn State. So um, you know, he's like, I'm better than Miles at least. You know what I mean? You got to pay <laughs> right. me at least a little bit more than Miles. But right. and he, Saquon's very talented. But the thing right, is, injury right. is the issue, you know. So, but exactly. but I, with that said, they really need him for this offense yeah. to function. Yeah, they right. do. That that's that's the thing. Like the running offense needs Saquon. It can't really produce. And if you take a look at their roster now, they don't really have a suitable replacement. I mean, they have Matt Breida, but yeah. he's so, not Saquon. Oh yeah, I know. I remember player. Matt Breida. It's like I'm just yeah, like. Right. <laughs> when we hear those players are like, who? Who are they? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they could, I mean, they could have drafted someone like Zach Charbonnet um, in the second round, yeah, and that would have been fine. Him. But exactly, the Seahawks took him. So they literally took like every good running back. Like they took Kelly McIntosh, who I think is underrated. He's a good running back from Georgia and getting mm. Zach Charbonnet in the second round. Like you already got Kenneth Walker. Give us a break. Like literally. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so now moving on to the passing situation. So why were they the 10th ranked passing offense in terms of DVOA? Well, it wasn't because they threw the ball down the field. That's for sure. <laughs> they had the fifth worst or fifth lowest completed air yards uh, per completion. So they really threw short. Um, and that's why they were efficient. They were able to keep it short and fewer attempts. They were able to balance the run with the pass they had the eighth fewest attempts amongst all 32 nfl teams they only had 520 pass attempts on the entire season they also had the second lowest bad throw percentage and second highest on target percentage so more likely that means that they were throwing it shorter making easier throws and not complicating throws by throwing it more down the field or making it more risky by doing it that way yeah. Right. So that's why th those statistics bear that fact. Now, does this also mean that Danny Dimes was actually good? Maybe. I mean, he was ranked 18th in DYAR amongst QBs. 
uh, and 20th in DVOA in, uh, amongst QBs. So he's marginally better than an average QB. Right. So that means it's more of their scheme, right? Yeah. It's more of their scheme because they all pay for that scheme. Huh? Who do you have to thank for that scheme? There's Brian one Dable. Brian so Dable. Dable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's mm -hmm. probably basically uh, deploying the West Coast offense a lot more. And, right. and also, Kafka not only it. that, you also have to take a look at their QB coach. I believe that's Mike Kafka, who was a, who yeah, was a two ex eagle. Yep. Yep. And, hit, and, and for those that don't know, Mike Kafka, ba um, former backup QB for the Eagles, long time back, he's under the Andy Reid coaching tree. Yeah. Now, and if you look at their wide receiver coach, they got Mike Groh, who used to be the Eagles wide receiver coach back in 2017. Incredible wide receiver coach. He actually mm -hmm. turned down, uh, turn, turn, turned around Nelson Aguilar's season that year. So mm -hmm. they, I, it, it, don't be surprised if the Giants go down the field a lot this year and have success. And, uh, you know, I think okay. I think their offense will evolve from what they had last year, provided they still get Saquon Barkley, right? So when you got the running right. threat, you can actually open up the field a little bit more. Exactly. Now, yeah. they do have Darren Waller, so that will help in opening up the field, like you mentioned, oh, yeah. especially for your other wide receivers in Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Jalen mm -hmm. Hyatt, Wandale Robinson. So they have a depth of you know wide receiver twos, right? And then their right. receiver one is essentially Darren Waller. Yeah. Um, with their you know, with their blocking tight end being da uh Daniel Bellinger. So yeah, so just going back to their scheme, right? They also had an extremely high rate of pa uh, play action. They were high. Uh, they were the fourth highest uh, play action attempt team in in the entire NFL. So that you know that goes more towards balancing the run with the pass, right? With 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 an effective run game, you can have an effective play action game because it's all based off of fooling the defense with the run for the pass. And so that's why, right? Uh, passing wise, they were very efficient, and that's why they were the tenth highest pass DVOA team. Now, their offensive line really has to improve, okay? They were ranked 24th in allowed uh, adjusted sack rate, and then they also had to improve, especially near the center position. They were dead last in uh, adjusted line yards uh, um, given uh, it, between the left guard and the center, so basically the A-gap. Um, they were dead last in providing help so saquon really goes it goes back to saying saquon really carried that offense it, it wasn't really their uh offensive line so with the addition of john michael schmitz i think that's going to help right oh, that's yeah. definitely going to help yeah. uh they also lost nick gates they let go of nick gates so he was one of the reasons why their you know that statistic was so prominent right so we'll see if that improves now Moving on to their defense, oof, oof, it's bad. They were ranked 29th overall, 22nd against the pass, but 32nd against the rush. And you can see why they made so many moves, right? This is why they got Raheem Nunez Roches. They were ranked 30th in adjusted line yards and just like bottom five everywhere. Not even just, you know, the D line, but also the front seven. 
and the right side of their D-line was absolutely horrible. They were ranked 28th, 30th, and 31st in the A, B, and C gaps. So basically, outside of left tackle, out uh, in between left guard and left tackle, and in between the center and the left guard. The right side, uh, which is defended by you know, Ashawn Robinson and sometimes Kayvon Thibodeau actually was pretty effective in, in setting the edge, but they're, 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 yeah, their left side, sorry. The left side of the defensive line was actually effective. The right side of the defensive line has to improve. It was right. horrible. So their new acquisition should help. Rakeem Nunez, Nochez, uh, Rochez up the middle, along with uh, retaining Dexter Lawrence and then having Bobby Okariki as your inside linebacker to shore up that linebacking presence. So, so they got more of a 340 look then, right? Yeah, they have a 3-4 defense. Their interior uh, their D-line is consistent of Ashawn Robinson, Dexter Lawrence, uh Leonard Williams and as a backup defensive nose tackle you have Rakeem Nunez Roches and then your uh edge setting, you know, you know, seven, nine tech edge setters are Kayvon Thibodeau and um, Aziz Ojolari, right? And then your inside yeah. two middle linebackers are Bobby Okariki and Darian Beavers. Solid players, man. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. Especially I with wish we had those linebackers. <laughs> <laughs> now you have, now you have, um, who is it? Oh, my God. N'Kobe Dean. Yeah, there you go. N'Kobe Dean. I was yeah, gonna say Noah Brown. Like if he can take the yeah. next step, and then we exactly. either get one or you actually get Davion Taylor to look where the ball is going, then you know you got something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. At least so, anyone better than Nate Gary. He's better than Nate Gary. It's just needs <laughs> a little fine tuning. He's he's not Nate Gary. He's better than Nate Gary. It's just like I don't think he has the right coaching. Because yeah. if you if you coach him rump right, you you probably have a Ray Lewis type of player. I'm not saying that caliber, but I'm saying a Ray Lewis light type of player mm -hmm. with Davion. And I Got know that's you. high praise, but it's just that's what I see. Okay, so you see some yeah. of the athletic uh, traits there. Yeah, definitely got athletic traits, like mm -hmm. fast as hell. You just gotta know. And pay attention to where the ball is going. Like, hopefully, this is like what is his third, fourth season? I think. Um, yeah, maybe, it was maybe, maybe the 20. coaches can get him up up to speed and whatnot. Doughty, he, he does. He, he even makes makes a team. But if he does, that's probably why. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, moving yeah. back to the Giants, uh, in terms of their passing defense, they were pretty good ish. I mean, they had the they had the eighth lowest touchdown percentage, so that's good. Red zone wise, they were actually very good. Eighth lowest completion percentage allowed, and eleventh, uh, you know, lowest uh, adjusted net yards per attempt allowed. So it's really as per the characteristics of you know Wink Martindale's defense. You have they had the highest blitz percentage, nearly forty percent, and they had deep zone coverage with their. Uh, so this is a statistic called DA, you know, DADOT or DADOT, um, which is basically the average depth of target when targeted 
uh, for defensive backs. So whenever the opposing offense throws the balls to the wide receiver, how far back are the defensive backs? So they have the sixth highest at 8.4 yards. So that means that that they have, you know, more often than not, they're not playing man, press man coverage. They're playing zone coverage. And that's, you know, that's a key characteristic of Wink Martindale, right? High blitz, zone coverage. And so they were able to, um, you know, be a pretty efficient secondary group. Now they did get uh, Deontay Banks. So that's going to help a ton, uh, especially in situations where they do go man to man. He's also going to be a great blitzer too, because he's got insane speed. So he could come in as you know as those cornerback blitz. So that's really yep. good. Now they do have to improve on getting more sacks. Like it's not a huge deal because they are the sixth highest in generating pressures, but they don't clean up those pressures well. They are only twenty second in adjusted sack rate. So you should be really good at both. Right, you should generate pressure. And sack the quarterback, right? You can't just you know generate pressure, give him some time, and then let the quarterback go out of uh, get out of trouble. So basically, they made the moves to get better at run D and pass rush, right? Uh, especially um, in the run defense in in the front seven. You get the D line additions. You get um, you know your linebacking additions of Bobby Okereke. And then you also get your secondary edition of um, Deontay Banks. So they've really holistically improved, on paper at least, their defense. So let's see if they can, if it works out in the field. So that's it from the Giants. Uh, They have a pretty good foundation. They just need to tighten the screws a little bit more. And not make stupid decisions by letting Saquon Barkley go. Just resign him. Just resign him. Yeah. But yeah, moving on to the Commanders. Some Raksak. All right. Excellent. Excellent as always, Sanand. Um. So with this, Commanders made some a lot of acquisitions. I think they were. I think some of the big names I saw that they got were. Um, QB Jacoby Brissett, that good ideal backup, one year, eight million from the Browns. Um, another good one was Andrew Wiley, offensive tackle, three year, twenty-four million from the Chiefs. Then they they reinforced the line again by getting Nick Gates, three year, sixteen point five million from the Giants. How funny is that? And then they also got a backup linebacker, Cody Barton, one year, three point five million. They did resign their center, Tyler Larson, for one year. 1 million and they did extend some players like Deron Payne who which I thought was a really good extension. I have not heard about the latest contracts with um with their fifth round with their first round pick Chase Young. I think I need to get more details on that. Another if you could check up on that that'd be great or anyone. Um but like Deron Payne signing a four year 90 million extension, Jonathan Williams as a good backup backup running back and David Mayo one year for to play outside linebacker and their draft picks. Those were very interesting selections. Um, I saw them grabbing Emmanuel Forbes, very lengthy corner from Michigan, from Mississippi state, same college that Darius Slay used to play. And, um, 
I think it'll be very interesting to be to fit into this new type of this Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio type of defense. Then they also reinforce that reinforces the the defensive backs by getting Jatavius Martin, um, Illinois safety, who opposite of Sidney Brown, um, who is with the Eagles now. Then they reinforced their line by getting Ricky Stromberg, uh, um, center from Arkansas, Braden Daniels, offensive guard from Utah. And then they traded back to the fifth round to get KJ Henry, defensive end from Clemson, reinforced the defensive, reinforced the lines. Then running back Chris Rodriguez from Kentucky and Andre Jones of Louisiana as their outside linebackers. Not a bad, good day in the draft uh, in the, for the draft mm -hmm. so far. But here are some of the players that they released. I'm going to go down on a list. Carson Wentz, who is <laughs> after a year. J.D. McKissick, running back, out, which I thought was a surprise because he was serviceable when some yeah. of the commanders were um, they're down to their last running backs. Um, Nate Gary, White Mamba, he's gone. And then Taylor <laughs> Taylor Heineke, QB, who's backup QB, who actually gave the Eagles one of their first losses. He's now playing with the Falcons, two-year, $14 million. Wes Martin, offensive guard to the Browns. Cam Sims, backup, third or fourth string, but serviceable wide receiver. He's with the Raiders. Yeah. Cole Holcomb, who I thought was like a, was a strong vet for the um, – he was a consistent linebacker. Um, for the commanders, he's now with the Steelers for a three year, 18 million. And Wes Scheitzer, um, offensive guard, um, 2.5 to the Jets. Chase Rulier, their starting center. I was very shocked by that move. Why did they let go of him? And also, their corner, Cam Dantzler, and offensive guard, Andrew Norwell, who's now who's actually placed on the, on the pup list, which is the physically unable to participate. And recently retired was tight end Eli Wolf. For their staff, I we hear the ongoing sales and negotiations from Josh Harris's group to purchase the Washington Commanders from Mr. Danny Boy, Dan Snyder, the worst owner in NFL history, in my point of view, and anyone else's in the United States of America. Um, with that huge moves that they did. The biggest change I saw, and I'm only going to address this one, was has to be Eric Bieniemy, being the new offensive coordinator and the and assistant head coach. I'm shocked that he has not been given a head coaching position because look what he did with the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the resume enough. He, like, and you take an old QB coach from Kevin Zampezi, who was part of the North Turner system, He's shifted from QB coach to senior office, uh, uh, offensive assistant or game manager. And with that, I'm going to immediately jump into the areas to improve on. Offense. Anand and Pete. Uh, let's go, let, I'm going to do a pop quiz with you. What was the Washington command? If, you were to, if I were to rank the commander's um, DVOA on offense, what would you, where would you rank it? Middle of the pack, maybe? Middle of the pack? Okay, what about you, Anand? What do you think? Okay, while we wait on that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was on mute. 19th no, or 20th? No, they were ranked 28th. Oh, wow. Okay. They were 26th at pass and 29th in the rush. This is under North Turner. 
Their offensive line was ranked 23rd. O-line, 23rd in, in DVOA. They were 23rd in pass protection and allowed 48 sacks. That is inexcusable. That's a fireable offense, and thank God no Turner's out. But now with Eric Bieniemy, he is a huge upgrade for the Commanders. You, so with that, I'm going to actually give a bit of a scouting report. So Eagles fans, Eagles Nation, I want you to rise up and listen up to what I got to say. Eric Bieniemy, you've seen him play uh, played against him in the Super Bowl. You're going to expect a more consistent of a run game with a little bit more passing. If you want to see that, if you want an example, look at the Chiefs offense. You're going to have different run concepts from multiple looks. You're going to see RPOs. They're going to help a young QB in a fifth rounder like Sam Howell. And with that, and, and, a, and a serviceable backup with Jacoby Brissett, who can help you run that offense a little bit better. And, and he can de de develop quicker and better, and better with the weapons that he has. And if you want to talk about the weapons that the, that the commanders have, you I mean, you look at Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, then of course your wide receivers in Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Titan Logan Thomas. But do not take them lightly. These, this were the, these were almost the same identical type of players that, the, that, the, that beat the Eagles last year. Pete, you, we know we have been through that nightmare because oh yeah it, it happened and, right. and and if you and if and remember under Eric Bieniemy in the 2018 and 2022 season Pat Mahomes was the MVP and offensive player of the year and they also won the Super Bowl like mm -hmm. Eric Bieniemy has been very consistent yeah. as an offensive coordinator well, overall I would add I would I would bump the brakes on that a little bit um that offense was more Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Eric okay. Bieniemy. The reason why he didn't get a job for a long time is because of that. And 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 and, and apart from being African American, right? Like they're kind. Usually, black ball is hard to get a job, especially the head coaching jobs. Um, but there, I don't think he did anything significantly different. Um, if um, at you know, as opposed to what. Uh, uh, the Bears head coach did when when he had um, well actually Eric Bieniemy was the coach in 20, uh, 2018, correct? Twenty he was the offensive coordinator with the with the well yeah he, he was the offensive coordinator so but but here's what what I, what I pause when 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 you say that is because if you see some of Mike Vick's development when he when he was with the Eagles back in like 2010, 2011, 2012, right? Right. Um, a lot of the throws, the way they they were deploying that offense, I see a lot of that when Patrick Mahomes plays, and that is all oh. Andy Reid. You know, that's so Andy Reid and, and and the OC that we had back then. But I think even he like I think it was a uh, what's his name? Um, it was Marty Morningweg, I think. Marty Marty, yeah, I think he's a better OC than uh, Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy, I mean, not, oh. not, not that he's not going to be good. But he's not going to be as good in the passing game. They're oh. going to do a lot of running stuff, and they probably have to because of the type of quarterbacks that they have right now with Sam Howell and, uh, you know, who else do they have right now? Just uh, And they have backups in Jake Fromm and Tim and Tim DeMora. But, uh, but when you're saying Marty Morningweg better than Eric Biennemi? Pass, pass game-wise. Uh, pass game-wise. 
Fast game wise, Marty Morningwig is a wizard, dude. Like he knows what he's I think doing. He was. I mean, he did help with the development of Donovan McNabb as that long as that cannon arm guy. But I mean, yeah. if you look at the schemes that Eric Bieniemy ran with the Chiefs, especially with a talented QB like Patrick Mahomes, that's what like, I'm saying. You need that type of QB for him to be successful. I think you can't just have any old talent and and expect it to be that way unless you're just going to predominantly run the ball and then do like what the Giants did last year with short passes. Now, if you do that, then, yeah, they could probably win like 10, 11 games, you know, get in the playoffs. Okay. I mean, I do get where you're coming from on that. And, and like, and, and of course, like, um, ladies and gentlemen from NFL Masala, this is a, actually a really good, um, a, a really good callback. Like Eric Bieniemy was able to run some schemes. I mean, under him, like the Chiefs were number one in the offensive DVOA overall. They were first in pass, ninth in the rush. However, th this offensive line that in, uh, from KC, they were third-ranked in DVOA, especially fifth in pass protection, 26 sacks allowed. And, of course, we talk about that Super Bowl loss. That one of the reasons why the Eagles could not beat the Chiefs, we were not unable to get the, to the QB, A, because of we could talk about the field conditions at State Farm Field in Arizona, which is so bad. Jonathan I, Gannon. God damn. I'm, not, I'm about to start a freaking rant on Jonathan Gannon. The worst defensive coordinator in Eagles history. This man should be away from a coaching position. He should be like in a locked in a broom closet, chucked out the window, and get the hell away from Philadelphia. Blacklist him from any other players. But um, okay. Yeah, moving on from that. Um yeah. So I think it'll be, I think like with the commanders, you're going to expect a nearly, nearly defensive, nearly um, offensive schemes, a lot of mixes. So, but on defense, I'll be, I'll have to go through this really quickly. Linebackers, there are a big, is the big question mark because you only have David Mayo, Cody Barton, and Jamin Davis. Damon Davis is coming back from injury. They're running a base 4 3. So I'm kind of worried about this. And I could see Del Rio, Jack Del Rio, um, defensive coordinator, going um, to to a linebacker set. Cornerbacks are talented, but they lack takeaways last season. So Emmanuel Forbes could he be the answer? He was a ball hawk in college. Let's find out. And last, and of course, Chase Young has to be healthy for the long season. Other, and then, but they did finish th the third ranked in total defense overall in 2022, according to ESPN. They allowed only 300, almost 304.6 yards per game, 191 pass yards, 113. They were 12th in sacks, 43 sacks, 20 something takeaways. So they're really good. They're, they're really great on defense because um, uh, Ron Rivera is a defensive minded coach, but it all depends if uh, their players have to, their, their players have to be healthy, especially Jamin Davis and um, Chase Young. If he can, Chase Young can last for a season. That D line is going to be for is going to be scary to look oh at. God. So, yeah, yep. So that's what I got. Anand, commanders are a are a sleeper for sure. Oh yeah. All righty. So, um, speaking of which teams are going to be sleepers or not, let's move into our projected division rankings. So we're gonna do. You know, each person is gonna say how this division is going to turn out. And obviously, because we are soothsayers, it's going to go exactly as we say, right? It's not going to deviate one bit. 
All right. Nothing, I'm going to start changes. What we say exactly. Is we are the NFL script writers, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. Spoiler exactly. <laughs> all we need to do is add some masala to it. That's all. Uh, Rumble. All righty. So from me, I expect the Eagles to go 14 and 3. Repeat what you guys did last year, 6 and 0 in the division. I really don't see heavy competition. I mean, I uh, uh, you know, the Cowboys and Giants defenses do give me some some, you know, questions as an Eagles. If I were an Eagles fan, I I would ask questions about the Cowboys, you know, defense, especially that pass rush and that secondary along with the Giants upcoming uh up and coming pass rush and secondary as well. And plus the, you know, the additions that they've made on the defensive line. So it is pretty uh questionable but the eagles have a good good enough offensive line and defensive line because as we say rakshak what did they follow bill through the trenches namaha bill through the trenches namaha that's our mantra exactly that's what they did and that's why they're going to be first in the division obviously but they also have jalen hurts and a whole host of you know star players so they're going to be first. Cowboys, honestly, I predict them to go nine and eight, go three and three in the division, and the Giants to go eight and nine, three and three in the in the division. I mean, if you look at the stats, the Giants had the better offense, but now they don't have Saquon Barkley. So who's going to be filling up that spot? But the Cowboys, they did retain Tony Pollard. They are also getting back Dak Prescott from an injury, but they weren't that good, and they had an easy schedule. So, like, is it, are they really that different? I mean, the Cowboys' defense is the only thing that is telling me, okay, they're going to be better than the Giants because that defense can keep the Cowboys in, in, in games. And that's why maybe they go 9-8, and eight, maybe 10-7, and seven. Right, uh, they win a division game here or two, um, but I really don't think they're going to be better than the Eagles. They just don't have the firepower to do so, and they don't have the temperament. They don't have a winning mentality. They have a losing mentality. So they're not gonna they're not gonna go ahead of the Eagles, and they might land up second. The Giants might go ahead them on one game here or there, but those are pretty equal teams and there's only like one outlier for the cowboys that's really pushing the cowboys above the giants and then obviously commanders are last we don't know their quarterback situation we know that their offense was terrible last year as rakshak mentioned we have a new offensive coordinator coming in town without andy reed's help so let's see how eric Bieniemy is when given the reins for an entire offense they do have a couple of stud uh, sk uh, skill players right they have scary terry they have, you know, Antonio Gibson coming back from, you know, and then, and then Brian Robinson. So, yeah, they they do have a couple of good key players, but I just don't think it's enough to unseat the Giants or the Cowboys. So I predict them to go six and eleven, zero oh and six in the division. I just don't see oh the and six in wow. the division in the division. Okay. Yeah, they're um, winning at least in one game. Come on, dude. Maybe, yeah. I mean, let's let's assume they do. 
Um, and then you have someone like the Cowboys go two and four or something like that. Okay. Or maybe they pull one uh, against the Eagles, right? Make them five and one. That's fine. Honestly, yeah. like as we mentioned, this is all just prediction. We're not right, 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 really right. saying yeah. anything. So anything can happen. Honestly, the commanders could go like 10 and seven and become the second best team because their defense just suddenly turns it around and is actually good from what we see on paper. In reality, yeah. so yeah, right now I just don't think that the commanders have enough to unseat the Cowboys or the Giants, so that's why they go six and eleven. Sounds what about good. you, Rakshak? Well, with this, I have to go with a realistic approach, and I did the and I actually did this um the win the win loss um the Eagles um schedule with Pete in one of his episodes. If so, check out his channel. He talks really good Eagles content. I have the Eagles going 13 and 4. They win five they um they win their division 5-1. One of their losses is going to be against the Cowboys because apparently the Eagles have not been Dallas at in Dallas since um 2017 what that Super Bowl winning year. Yeah. And then I have the Cowboys going second, 10 and 7. They're 3 and 3. They're they basically go mid. <laughs> it's so bad what I see. Okay, yeah, the Cowboys basically have a mid-year as usual, and they'll have like, and they'll they'll, and the funny thing is, I have them in their division. They have three wins and three losses. Um, and then the Commanders they go nine and, and Commanders and Giants are tied for nine and eight, but they and they both go two and four. I have the Giants being swept by the Eagles, courtesy of one giant killer in Boston Scott. Remember, folks. There are three things in life: death, taxes, and Boston Scott scoring on the Giants. That's guaranteed right. to happen. So that's what I have. Awesome. So I got the Eagles going uh, twelve and five, or thirteen and four, like somewhere along the, the lines of that. And then I predict Saquon's going to come back. And if he comes back, Giants win at least 10 games. Um, okay. So Giants would be my second. And then the Cowboys, um, something happens in the season. <laughs> what goes wrong? It can't go wrong. Will go wrong. <laughs> so they probably lose about like, uh, they probably win max eight or nine games. Um, okay. Don't even make the playoffs. <laughs> I would love to have the Cowboys have a losing record. Oh. <laughs> Uh, oh my despite, god! Despite they, they have, have Mike celebrating McCarthy your team already. Their, uh, play caller, and they have better talent. Yeah. I see this Giants team if Brian Dable, you know, takes the next step and uh, and um, Danny Dimes improves uh, along with the running game, right? Like the running game is important. If Saquon doesn't come back, he sits out. You know that 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 uh, argument is out, right? Like maybe the Cowboys end up second. Uh, and the com commanders um, will be commendable towards the end of the season, but you know they lose too many games that they can't recover back. So they probably going to end up around like um, six games. Um, okay. I see the Eagles probably finishing um, the division five and one or four and two. Maybe they lose two games, um, but I doubt it. They probably lose one game. 
Um, you probably lose one game against Dallas. They probably sweep the other two teams. And, um, and you know, um, and Giants, I see them look going three and three maybe. Um, and so is the Cowboys. But um, – but they, the Cowboys end up losing more games outside the division, which keeps them outside the the playoff picture. And Washington, Washington Commanders, who cares? They probably win like one or two games. So that's my prediction. This is just a prediction. A lot of stuff can happen. Injuries are part of the game. So, you know, Washington might end up winning this division. I hope not, but that could happen sometimes. Yeah, so, that's true. There's never been yeah, a repeat winner in the there's NFC. There's never been a repeat in the NFC East. So, like, for me to even say the Eagles are going to win the division, it's like, you know, maybe it won't happen. So I hope it does. Uh, the last time it happened was, what, 2005, 2006, Rajak? 2004, like, 2005. Yeah, 2004, 2005. It's been a long time, man. So since then, it hasn't happened like that. So if if that's what I'm saying, like if, if let's say if the Giants win the division or the Cowboys win the division, as long as the Eagles make it to the playoffs, I think we'll be fine. So yeah, agree. Yeah. All righty. I see we all hate uh, or don't see really success in the Commanders, and I love your take on the Cowboys. I mean, it's it's fantastic to just see. Could you imagine? the ruckus that you would hear from Cowboys fans if 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 let's let's hear this glorious scenario out right they go seven and ten and make the wild card as the seventh seed like the Panthers did <laughs> are you Russia trying to get hold it, hold it in <laughs> <laughs> and then the hype machine starts. Oh my God, we were seven and ten, but we got in the playoffs. We got in the playoffs. The NFC is a soft team. Like it's it's very easy to win. And then they actually have a lead. Let's say they have a lead against, you know, a good team. Like let's say, I don't know, the Saints the against the NFC South. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because no. I feel like the 49ers would just steamroll against the Cowboys. But if you have someone like the yeah. Saints, right? Let's say oh, they are the I love fourth team rolling. <laughs> no, but to make it more enjoyable, we need to have the Cowboys get some hope. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, no, exactly. Let's say exactly right. So let's say they defeat uh the Saints, right, in the NFC South for the first wild card game. And okay. now you are facing the 49ers, not as the fourth seed, but as the seventh seed wild card. <laughs> that pressure now they're going to be in um now the only bad part about this is that they would be in santa clara and they wouldn't be in at&t stadium otherwise that would be even more delicious oh but oh, yeah, um yeah. <laughs> anyways um that's it from the projected division rankings we're going to move on to the boom and bust players we're going to try and wrap this up as quickly as possible because yep. it's been nearly two hours uh, so from my side, my boom player is going to be Darren Waller. Given the shorter throwing scheme that the Giants have and the lack of an outlet if they don't retain Saquon, I see Waller with a 1,000-yard season and 10-plus touchdowns. Um, wow. And he's going to be top two in the tight end and receptions. And this is my beat the dole moment. Okay, we got to beat the dole, ladies and gentlemen. Uh -huh. and Darren Waller. But only if Darren Waller is healthy. 
if Daryl. I did last year. He was last year. He, yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, actually, no, no, no. Last year he yeah. wasn't. I think he last. But yeah, yeah. If he's healthy, then you know, he. he I can, can actually really see that season. scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you can that. just oh, see Danny list. Dimes scrambling and finding Darren Waller and just hoping he's yeah. there, and then down right in is the best friend for a quarterback. Exactly. So. So yeah, um, I know, I and then that. you can also see like Daniel Jones like throw a deep ball to Jalen Hyatt. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I'm really scared. Oh, they got a lot of speedsters, man. Dude, to be honest, like I'm like the pick that I'm the player that I'm actually scared in this division is Jalen Hyatt, man. I've seen his tape in Tennessee. Of yeah. course, he has that like, that one year. He he runs like this one year this goal route, but he pardon my French, everyone. He is so damn good at it. If you yeah. watch Tennessee versus Alabama, you know what I'm talking about. He burned Brian Branch. Mm -hmm. And then because they have so many receiving options and Jalen Hyatt and now Darren Waller, I can see Darius Slayton having a step down. There are just too many receiving mouths to feed. So he's going to be lost in the shuffle. Plus, yeah. if you're looking for a, a slot wide receiver, dedicated slot wide receiver, it used to be either Sh Sterling Shepard or Darius Slayton. But now you also have Wandell Robinson and now Jamison Crowder. So you actually have, for the Giants, a committee of slot wide receivers in Wandell, Darius Slayton, Jamison Crowder, Sterling Shepard. You have an outside wide receiver in Isaiah Hodgins, but and then you have the other outside with uh, Jalen Hyatt. But in terms of slot, you're going to have a rotating cast. So I think J uh, Darius Slayton is going to go down in terms of uh, receptions and in terms of just looks from you know Danny Dimes because he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to mm -hmm. be able to force feed so many people. He's just going to stick to what is comfortable for him. Right, so that's why I think Darius Slayton's going to have a bust season this year. But what about you, Duckshuck? Wow, um, I do see I do see your points on that. Um, so with this, my boom player is actually going to be Brandon Cooks. Here's the reason why he, although he has the perfect example of being Mr. Consistency, almost every season he has played, he's had a thousand receiving yards. Um, just someone correct me if that is true. I'm just like remembering it as a, as I can go. No, he's I think been, so. I think so. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, wow. Perfect. So he's been averaging like 12, like last year alone, he had like 12.3 yards per catch last year with the Texans. He only played 13 games, 57 receptions out of 93 attempts, but he had almost 700 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, so he, did, he didn't get the 1,000-yard there, but he's had 1,000 yards in 2021, 2020, 2018, 2017, 2016, 2015. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, I think he. I think with this, I have a beat-the-door moment right here. With the Cowboys, okay. he's going to get back to not only 1,000K, he's going to reach 1.5K, 1,500 yards. As a, second, as a second wide receiver option, this helps Dak Prescott a lot. He's a better complement to CeeDee Lamb. You can line him up anywhere, outside, slot. Brian Schottenheimer should have a brain. And along with my, Mike McCarthy, I don't know if you, we need to have like brain a brain surgeon to figure out like what's going on through their heads. But if they can develop the right scheme, Brandon Cooks will definitely help Dak Prescott. He will sit like... Pardon my French. He's going I, to I think, ass. 
in like but I think anything. I think they will because they used to do that with uh, Tyler Lockett in uh, Seattle. So oh. similar and, type of players, right? Yeah. So. It, it, I think he was a comp. I mean, like he was the draft compliment to like um to like some other players. I don't know who, but Brandon Cooks, he's gonna reach thousand five hundred yards. And I and I'm and I'm gonna take and I have another bold moment. He's gonna eclipse, he's gonna get like, like up to double digit touchdowns. I could see the, I could see the Cowboys trying to do something crazy, even in a losing effort, they're gonna do something crazy to get Brandon Cooks involved. <laughs> so my bus player is actually gonna be a Giants wide receiver. Anant, it is not Darius Slayton. I'm gonna go with Jamison Crowder. Mm. And I yeah. think it's a beyond I call it a beyond bust move. Here's the reason. Once he's like in his career, like last season, he was with the Bills. He only played four games, six receptions of 13 targets, 60 yards and no touchdowns. Second, the Giants wide receiver room is super crowded. You mentioned it earlier and you have the speedsters, but to be honest, mediocre to okay talent with the exception of Dar Darren Waller, Jalen Hyatt, I could see those, those Jalen Hyatt bombs incoming, and I'm like, to be honest, I'm like freaking terrified of that because, oh my God, I, I'm going to have nightmares if he keeps on burning the Eagles, and I hope the Eagles have a, an answer for Jalen Hyatt because he is so goddamn good. But I don't, but to be honest, like a Wanda Robinson and Sterling Shepard coming back, I d see a lot of less, uh, less snaps for Jamison Crowder overall. I mean... He is like when he's healthy and when he's playing, he's averaging almost like almost close to like 300 to 500 to six, 700 yards. He's a good wide receiver three, but in this lineup, I, I don't think I see any snaps. I honestly don't. It's going to be hard. All righty. What about you, Pete? So I'm going to stick with my team. Um, I'm seeing Jalen Hurts take the next step. Um, I'm projecting 35 passing touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns with uh, about eight interceptions. Um, hmm. I, I know that like he's getting – he would be closer to the actual MVP race, and he will improve, but people will – but the Eagles might fall short of the Super Bowl mark, and they would, a lot of folks would say, oh, he got worse when he really got better. So I'm take I'm I'm thinking that Jalen takes the next progression and improves as a quarterback, mainly in the red zone. Um, but for my bust, man, I think I gotta go with. Uh, I think I, I think I'm gonna go with uh, C. D. Lamb. Huh? He probably doesn't have as a good year as he did in the years past. Yeah, he probably only has I'll three or four that. touchdowns, and okay. because main reason is because Brandon Cooks will take most mm -hmm. of the targets, and and Dak will be comfortable with that, and they will design the offense that way, and C.D. Lamb will be kind of like the forgotten member of that. So, so this isn't just my prediction. None of this might happen, but you know, that's that's my prediction. Now that I think about it, it could be true. There's so many ways that we could look into this, but yeah. Exactly. But yeah. Uh, well said, guys. And that concludes our episode for today.
So before we log off, I wanted to give a sincere thanks to Pete Nathan for coming on the show once again. Our first repeat guest of the entire show. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Let's go. Yeah, it's our first repeat guest. So thank you, Pete Nathan. What do you have to say? Oh, man. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, always a pleasure talking football with you guys. And you guys are welcome anytime on my show. Um, I will be getting started back now that the season is coming back. You know, um, I'll definitely have uh, Anand and Rakshak, both of y'all. Rakshak normally comes on my show. Anand, I'll have you uh, breaking down the the Packers for us, uh, okay. the offseason uh, moves and, uh, you know, your predictions and whatnot. So, okay. yeah, thank you guys for having me. All righty. Thank you so much again, Pete. So we are now going to um, – if you guys have any questions, please let us know at nflmasala at gmail.com, spelled as nflmasala at gmail.com, or leave a review at one of the four podcast platforms that we host us on, Apple, Google, Spotify, or Pocket Cast. Or, Rakshak, what can they do? They can also follow us on Instagram, which is all lowercase – N-F-L-M-A-S-A-L-A-2022. That is all lowercase N-F-L-M-A-S-A-L-A-2022. And we're going to hit you with our signature outro. Go Pack Go! And fly, Eagles, fly. Take care and have a good night.